Welcome to this message by Pascal Nguyen. Pastor Pascal is a seasoned minister of the Word of God, whose messages on Christian living, church building, and the work of ministry are a great inspiration to many lives. He's the senior pastor of Alive Bible Church, a vibrant and growing church with branches across South Africa. You will experience the transformational power of God's Word as He ministers passionately to you today. Be blessed as you listen. This morning, let's go straight into the Word. I'm reading from the book of Romans chapter 10, from verse 13 down to verse 14. The Bible says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So we are making aware, we are being made aware this morning that people are saved when they call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All people have to do is to call on the name of Jesus and they are saved. But the problem that we have is that a lot of them don't know yet about that name or they don't know that they should call on that name. Hence, Paul was making us aware here. How will they call on him? unless they are preachers. So the last verse there says, and how shall they hear without a preacher? So I would like us to quickly look at this demonic. Who is this preacher that these people have to hear? Who is this preacher? Number one, this preacher is not Jesus Christ. This preacher is not, because I'm sure you're probably thinking, yeah, that preacher... Uh, how will they hear without a preacher? That, that preacher is probably Jesus has to preach for them. Now, this preacher is not Jesus Christ because in the book of Mark 16, verse 20, the Bible says, After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. So we can clearly see based on this that Jesus is now in heaven and he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. In John 17 verse 4, the Bible says, Jesus speaking said, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So as far as Jesus is concerned, his work was finished. Even on the cross he said, it is finished. So there is nothing really that Jesus still has to come and do on earth. That's why he was taken up to heaven and he is sitting. He is not standing. So the fact that he is sitting means he's done. So if we are waiting for Jesus to be that, that preacher that Paul is talking about, then really we're going to wait for a long time because Jesus has done his part. Number two, that preacher is not the Holy Spirit. Because in John 16 verse 8, the Bible says, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So we know that the Holy Ghost will come, but the Holy Ghost will not preach. 
the Holy Ghost will convict people. He brings a conviction, not a condemnation, a conviction in the hearts of the people about their sins. But he doesn't do the preaching. The Bible doesn't say when he comes, he will preach the gospel. He will tell people to be saved. He will convict them. So we do the preaching, he does the convicting. And you find that clearly illustrated when Paul uh, preached the message. The Holy Ghost convicted the people and 3,000 of them got saved. Number three, this preacher is not an angel. Angels at this time are not preaching the gospel. There are so many of them on earth. The earth is full of angels. But they are not preaching the gospel. Because that is not their assignment at this time. Jesus preached the gospel. Then he went back to heaven. The Holy Ghost is convicting people of their sins. He's currently on earth. Angels are not preaching the gospel. I'm going to show you a little example of that in the book of uh, Acts 10, verse 4 to 7. The Bible says, now this is the story of Cornelius, who had a visitation of an angel, appeared to Cornelius and spoke to him and told him, look, your arms and your prayers have been received in heaven. Now, let's look at the bed. And when the angel observed him, oh no, when he observed the angel, Cornelius observed the angel, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So the angel said to him, your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. Now, send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in Simon a tenor whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel had spoken to him, the angel departed. Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. I want to ask you a question. Why didn't the angel just told Cornelius what Cornelius needed to hear? Why did the angel come to Cornelius, went through all that hard work of coming to Cornelius, only to tell him to ask for Cornelius to send other people to call Peter so that Peter can come and preach? If the angel could preach, why didn't the angel preach to Cornelius right there and there? It's simple. It's because angels are not preaching at this time. I just want you to understand that. You see, if the, peop, if the preacher that we are talking about here doesn't preach, a lot of things will not happen. Jesus is not going to come. I don't think you've ever heard that Jesus has appeared somewhere and preached again since 2,000 years ago. Jesus is done with the preaching. He's not doing the saving through his blood. I don't think you've ever heard that the Holy Ghost has appeared in a church or to a corner somewhere and started leading somebody to Jesus Christ. Now, we've had people having revelations of Jesus and dreams of, about Jesus, especially in the Middle East, where the gospel is not allowed to be preached much. So you will have those type of encounters, mostly in those areas, where people really have no chance of hearing about Christ unless Christ appears to them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our daily lives. You might never see any of these things. So angels are not allowed to preach at this time. They will preach after the rapture, I believe, but not now. Now, preaching is done by people that are saved. Yes. So this preacher is also not your pastor necessarily. 
The reason I'm saying it's not necessarily your pastor because I showed you last week how many people can come to church per time. If these people have to depend on a preacher, meaning your pastor, how many of them will ever hear the gospel being preached to them? So you can see that based on what we are seeing here, this preacher is also not just your pastor. Your pastor is definitely a preacher, but he's not the only preacher that these people need because most of them don't come to church. So like we saw last week, this preacher by all means has to be you and myself, all of us together. So when the Bible says, how will they hear without a preacher? That preacher is you and me. It's all of us put together. That's the preacher that we are talking about. This preacher is every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody that has given their hearts to Jesus qualifies to be this preacher. And I'm going to take you back to the verse I've been using as a foundational scripture and show you something that I didn't show you the past two days, the past two Sundays. Mark 16, let's start from verse 19. The Bible says, After the Lord Jesus has spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Now verse 20. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord confirmed, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. So the Lord Jesus Christ went to heaven, they saw him going up, and then they went out and they started preaching. So you can clearly see that this is us, as I was showing you for the past uh, two weeks. You know, there's a very interesting story that actually took place while Jesus was still on earth. And that's the story of Jesus preaching to people for three days nonstop. And by the third day, they were so hungry. And the disciples went to Jesus and told Jesus, look, these people haven't eaten for three days. And honestly, it's late. Please send them in the nearby villages so that they can get food and eat. And after that, we can continue. So the disciples are saying to Jesus, let them go and and find something to eat. Then after that, they can come back. Jesus interestingly says to the disciples, give them food yourself. Give them something to eat. And the disciples are sure, ah, why are we going to have that type of food to give to these people? Even if we work for the whole year, we might never have enough food to give to these people. And then Jesus asked them a very interesting question. The whole story is the book of Mark 6, 5, down to 38. Jesus asked them, what do you have? Well, we have five loaves and two fish. He said, I'll bring that. And do you know that Jesus used what they had to feed 5,000 men? So, what am I trying to tell you? Jesus told us that men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So these people are like a huge number of people that come across you and me every day. And they are starving for the word. They are starving for the bread. They are starving for food. And you are probably feeling, yeah, my pastor, somebody, somebody needs to feed these people. A bishop must come. I mean, we, we, somebody needs to do this. These people must be sent to church. They, they must go to church so that. And Jesus is saying, give them a word. You give them the word. And then you are saying, ah, 
I never went to Basel Bible School. I don't have what it takes to give them the word. I don't think I'm the right person to give them any word. Even if I study for the whole year, I don't think I will have enough to give them the word. And Jesus asks you, okay, so what do you have? What word do you have? What, what, what is it that you have? And Jesus took that little word, that little verse, that little thing that you had, that little knowledge you had, is all he needed. And he took that little and he multiplied it. And many people were fed with that little that you didn't think is enough. You didn't think that you can use it to preach. You didn't think that it is sufficient to do a lot. Oh, but it was more than enough. It was more than enough. And that's what I want to show you this morning that Jesus is saying, feed the people. Give them the word. And they say, ah, I don't have the word. I don't know how to preach. And Jesus says, bring that little you have. Bring that little you have. So today's message, how you too can preach salvation. How you too. I know that you know I can preach salvation. But how you too can preach salvation. Isaiah 6 verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who shall go for us? The Lord is asking, whom shall we send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me. Hallelujah. Here I am. And I pray that by the time we are done this morning, you will say like Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. When Isaiah is saying this, Isaiah doesn't have all the wisdom. Isaiah doesn't have all the knowledge. But Isaiah is making himself available. And you will realize this morning that anyone can preach salvation to others if they just make themselves available. If they just make themselves available. Praise the name of Jesus. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. I pray that that shall be you this morning. Yeah. Every believer is part of the body of Christ. When the body of Christ was on earth, the body of Christ was going from village to village, from town to town, preaching the gospel. Now the body of Christ is the church. And every believer today is the body of Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27, now you are the body of Christ. You know what that means? It means that if Christ will go anywhere, he will use our legs. If Christ will touch anybody, he will use our hands. If Christ will be heard in any community, he will use our mouth. We are the body of Christ. We, the church, is the body of Christ. When Christ was on earth, he says, a body you have prepared for me. And God used the body, he used Mary to give him a body. And Christ used that body to go in many places. And he preached the gospel. Now he's gone back to heaven, but he left the body here so that the work can continue. Number two, every believer is an ambassador of Christ. It's an ambassador. Second Corinthians 5, 19 to 20, the Bible tells us that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. God is making the appeal through us. 
So God is bound by us. Wherever we stop, that is where God is going to stop. God can only appeal to others through us. I need you to understand that. That we are his body and we are his ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative of another person in another country. We have an ambassador as South Africa. We have an ambassador, say maybe in New Zealand, in, 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 uh, in Europe, in all those countries. See, South Africa doesn't have to go there. They send an ambassador there. This person's job is to represent South Africa, to make people know about South Africa. And now the Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ. So we are representing Christ wherever we are. We are the people that are representing Christ. We are the people. Ha. He says, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. So it's like we are going to people and we are telling them, you know, I'm here on behalf of Christ. And I'm just saying to you, reconcile yourself with God. I'm here. And you're asking, why can't Christ come here? So, you know, he, he was here. He has not sent me. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Number three, every believer is a witness of Jesus Christ. So number one, every believer is the body of Christ. Number two, every believer is an ambassador. Number three, every believer is a witness. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me, to Jesus. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. It just clarifies that we are the preachers. We are this preacher that people must hear about. You are that preacher that people must hear about. Now we are here to witness. A witness is somebody who has either experienced something or seen something and is now asked to talk about it. That's what a witness is. A witness doesn't have to invent a story. A witness doesn't have to come up with great story. He just takes what he saw or what he heard and he just repeats the same thing in a court of law or in any place that he's asked to, to, to repeat it. So this morning we're talking about you know, how you can preach salvation. Preaching salvation is about witnessing. And witnessing is not about coming up with very, very, you know, fantastic things. It's simply sharing what you have seen or what you have heard. Are you with me so far? Okay, let's look at what witnessing is. Number one, witnessing is not arguing with people. When you are out there to witness, it's not to argue. Witnessing is not arguing, coming up with arguments, fighting with people. 2 Timothy 2, 23-24 says, Again I say, don't get involved in foolish and ignorant argument that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. That's the NLT. So, basically I'm trying to say, I'm not sending you out to go and start arguing, starting arguments with people. When you are confronting, when you are confronted with somebody who you can send, the person wants to argue, listen, that's not what you came to do. So, that's not even a time. You just let go of that one. And these are some of the reasons why we don't witness. Because we think, hey, I don't know a lot of arguments. I don't know a lot of things to say. I don't know a lot of... Uh, no, you are not out there to argue with people. Witnessing has got nothing to do with arguing with people. 
What is when witnessing is actually very simple. It's very, very simple. Second Corinthians 11 verse 3. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your mind may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. From the simplicity that is in Christ. The gospel is actually very simple. And I'm going to explain it to you. The word gospel means good news. That's what it means. You know, from the, the etymologic root of this, the Anglo-Saxon, which is God's spell. God's spell. Like a spell of God. But we've developed it today. It has become God's spell. That is basically means good tidings. Glad tidings. A good news. Praise the Lord. You find it clearly in Mark 16 verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Preach the gospel. That's, that's the preaching. So as, you know, we're talking about you uh, preaching salvation. Salvation is the gospel. And what is the gospel? If you take the same verse in NLT, he says, and then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Preach the good news. So gospel is literally translated good news. That's why you should never get into arguments. Because you are bringing good, tid good uh, tidings, good news. You are bringing good news to the people. So gospel is never an argument about hell. Uh, is there hell? No, that's not the time for that. Hell can never be good news. The only good news is heaven. Do you understand? So you bring more of the good news, the love of God, heaven, all the good things about God. If you listen to what Jesus said, you will see that he was just telling people about the good side, the good side. Because that's what people need to hear first. Are you listening to me? So now, quickly, as I close, what is witnessing then? Number one, witnessing is telling others about what Jesus did for them. Jesus says, you shall be witnesses to me. You are my representative. So you are making people aware of something I did for them that they are not aware of or they might not be aware of. When you go out to witness, you are not going out to be a great preacher by yourself. You are just taking what Jesus did and you are telling people, do you know that this is what Jesus did for you? Do you know that this is what Jesus, that's all God wants you to do. There are two things Jesus did, and they are all found in the gospel. There are things Jesus did, and there are things Jesus said. The things Jesus did are written in black, and the things Jesus said are written in red, depending on the Bible you are using. And those are the only two things that you are busy with. You're telling them about what Jesus did and what Jesus said. The miracles of Jesus. You should be able to just, if you just take one of the miracles of Jesus, and you make somebody aware, do you know that Jesus did this? That's a witness. That's a witness. You are just relating everything Jesus did with the people. That's why I encourage you to be a gospel reader. The four gospels. That's the four good news. Read them. Know them. So that you can pick anywhere. You say, you know, I want to share with you this. You find a person that has a similar story. A story similar to Bartimaeus. 
A story similar to the woman who lost her daughter. I mean, the man who lost his daughter. All those stories, they are all in the Gospels. It's all good news. Something that a Savior has come to do for us. You should know the good news, meaning the actions of Jesus that are written in black. But you should also know the good news, which is the words of Jesus that are written in red. Have both. Have both. Work with both. Wherever you go. Maybe today is not the words, it's the actions. You share one of the things Jesus did. He walked on water. You think it's a small thing. It's not a small thing. You share that thing, you will see what will happen to somebody. Yeah. You just read it to the person. Jesus walked on water. If Jesus walked on water, what is it that Jesus cannot do in your life? Who do you know that has walked on water before? Now, I'm talking about somebody who walked on water. What can't he do for you? You see, you are using something Jesus did to bring the gospel to the person. Hmm? Acts 8 verse, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. That's all he preached. How did he preach Christ? He talked about what Jesus did and what Jesus said. That's all. Preaching about Christ is that you just tell people, this is what Jesus did. Are you aware that Jesus did this? And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. That's, that's Christ. When you preach about Christ, you are telling people, this is what Jesus did, this is what Jesus said. And it clears the argument. You don't have to argue. You say, Look, I didn't say that I said it. I'm saying, this is what Jesus said. Are you listening? If you want to argue, find Jesus and argue with Jesus. I didn't say it. I'm just telling you, this is what he said. Hallelujah. So that is what it means. Witnessing is telling people about what Jesus did for them. That is what it is. Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. People don't know that. You need to tell them. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... The simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity. Don't complicate. Take the verse as it is. Share with the person. Just take it as it is. Many people don't know. You, you are used to hearing this verse, so you're thinking that everybody knows those verses. And that's why you, you want something bigger to go to the people. But Jesus told them, what do you have? Five loaves of bread. Okay, it's more than enough. You don't know how many people you can feed with your one verse, with your John 3.16. How many thousands of thousands of thousands you can bless with your John 3.16. And you are minimizing. You see, if you had told the disciples, five loaves of bread and five, I mean five loaves and two fishes can feed 5,000 men. They were going to say, no, no, no. In fact, that's why they were saying that we need to work harder. And that's why I'm telling you this morning, you don't know that that little verse you know, that little story about Jesus you know, can feed a lot of people. If you could just place it in the hands of the Lord. And you know, the Bible says that the Lord worked with them. So God is not going to let you by yourself to have to prove yourself. He will go with you. He will take that word. He said that he confirmed his word. He confirmed his word. As you are saying it, he will confirm it. He will confirm it. Ah... Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The gift of God. People know about the death but do they know about the gift of God? 
Jesus asked the Samaritan, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, then who is he still telling you, give me water? You would have, would ask, would have asked him for water. If you knew the gift of God. Many people don't know the gift of God. So you tell people, you know that Jesus is actually the gift of God to us. That's the gospel. The simplicity of the gospel. Don't complicate things. I said the little you know, people need it. The little you know. You have your five loaves of two fishes. Bring it up. Hallelujah. Lastly, witnessing is telling others about what Jesus did for you. Do you see? One part of witnessing is telling people what Jesus did for them. But the other side of the gospel is telling people what Jesus did for you. And that is what we also call sharing your testimony. Sharing your testimony. You might not remember John 3.16. You might not remember Romans 6.23. But by all means, I'm sure you will remember your own testimony. And your testimony, Jesus believed that what he did for you can inspire a lot of people. So he told the madman of Gadara in Mark 5.19, go home to your friends hmm? and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. That's all. Just tell people, look, this is what God has done for me. Oh, but well, I mean, well, it's not a powerful... Look, that's, that's the... I'm telling you, the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of the five loaves of bread and the two fishes that impacted 5,000 men. The simplicity of the gospel. John 9, 24 to 25. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know that this man is a sinner. Meaning, I get it. Jesus healed the man. And the man told them, Jesus healed me. They said, ah, ah, ah. Jesus cannot heal anybody. We know he didn't heal you. So he told them, no, I know he's the one. So they're calling him again a second time to ask him, please, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Tell us the truth. So the man replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You see, look, your testimony is simple. Whether the church is a Sangoma church or whether the the pastor is drinking blood, I don't know. One thing I know, one thing I know is that I was this. Ever since I came, this is what has happened. Yes. Whether Jesus is white or he is black or he is Chinese, I don't know. One thing I know is that I was a sinner. Now, Jesus has saved me. That's all. That's all. And we we want to complicate things, but you see, nothing is stronger than your personal experience. Nothing. Nothing. People can dispute scriptures, but nobody can dispute your personal experience. Nobody can dispute that you are not black, you cannot see. Do you understand? And, And sometimes that's what you need to use. I used to be a thief. So this is how you share your testimony. Your testimony must always have three parts. You want to share your testimony. Part number one, before I got saved. That's how you start. You always, because you see, everybody has a before. 
Remember, you say all that. You say don't don't hide that thing. It will inspire people. Before I got saved, I was this. I was this. I was this. I used to do this. I used to go here. I used to play here. I used to do like this before I got saved. I'm showing you how to share your testimony. Before I got saved. That's how you start. Now, after you said, before I got saved, you describe all that before. Then now you go to, then I got saved. Before I got saved, then I got saved. When I got saved, this is what started happening. This is what started happening to me. Eh? Then I got saved. Then Jesus came into my heart. Then you describe your salvation. I heard the word. You know, don't, don't, don't. Don't, you cannot say, I got saved, I just had a dream and I woke up and I was changed. No. Through salvation, you must hear the message. You must tell people, I went somewhere, I heard the message, the message touched me, and this is what happened. And I went to the front, and I raised my hand, and I gave my heart to Jesus, and I made a sinner's prayer. Describe your salvation adventure, or your salvation uh, experience to somebody. Before I got saved, then I got saved. How did I get saved? I got saved like this. Somebody invited me to church. Somebody spoke to me the way I'm speaking to you. This is what happened. Then the last part of your, 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 your testimony. Since I got saved. Or ever since I got saved. So now you describe the aftermath of salvation. Now I'm no more doing this. I'm doing this. I'm no more here. I'm here. I'm no more doing this. I'm doing this. That's all. That's all. Before I got saved, then I got saved, since I got saved. You share that everybody has a before, a then, and a since. Every one of us. I mean, if you are a child of God, no matter how simple your before is, share it. Maybe you only kiss one person. Okay, share about that kiss. Because there are other people out there that only also kiss one person. Or maybe you've kissed a thousand. Share the thousand you've kissed. There will always be somebody who relates with what you are talking about. Always. Don't, don't make a mistake. Yeah, seven billion people, you think somebody doesn't have the same story similar to yours? Many have. Many have. Three things that will make any witnessing effective. Number one, compassion. Number two, intercession. Number three, power. Compassion. Matthew 9, 36 to 37. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. Compassion is one thing to help. You feel the need to reach out to others. You cannot be a preacher of salvation if you don't have compassion. I mean, this is why we are not preaching. The man who got beaten on the way to Jericho, the Bible says that the good Samaritan had compassion on him. It's compassion. A desire, okay, how do I describe compassion? Maybe somebody just cut himself with a knife and the blood is coming out. You see that thing you feel that you want to stop the blood, you want to do something, that's compassion. That, that thing that happens to you, like you wish you could do something. You are not just indifferent to the sufferings of the people. That is called compassion. And when you are feeling like that for people that are going to hell, when you look at them, it's a lot of people that you are not looking at how big they are. You are having compassion because you see, these people are struggling. These people are going to be destroyed if nothing is done. 
When you look at women out there, you don't just look at sex objects. You are having compassion. People are going to hell. They need something. I need to reach out to these people. Are these people aware? Oh, I wish I could talk to them. Oh, I wish I could have them and speak to them. Compassion. That compassion is what starts driving you to reach to the people. And when you don't have that compassion, you can be around people that, maybe a hundred people that all got involved in car accidents and they are all bleeding and you feel nothing. You have no compassion. And I'm, I'm afraid, I'm sorry to say that the church of today has no compassion for other people. There's no compassion for the lost. People have compassion on you, but you have no compassion on anybody. You are not feeling that other people are going to hell. Other people are being destroyed. It is only compassion that will push you and I to want to share Christ. Jesus was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. The second thing is intercession. I'm talking about what is going to make your preaching nice. That your little is simple, but it's going to be effective because of three things. Because number one, you have compassion for the people. Number two, you are praying for the people. You see, the Bible says, and it's, uh, the, the, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest. Prayer. After Jesus, the, 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 the multitude, the next thing, he had compassion. The next thing, he started asking people to pray. You know why our witnessing don't work? We don't pray. You don't just have a nice word, a nice uh, 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 whatever. Like you must, it must come from a place of prayer. A place of prayer. Before the outreach you pray, after the outreach you pray, you spend time every day, Lord give me souls. Lord give me a uh, hundred souls. Lord give me grace to preach to this number of people. Lord when I, pray to, when I preach to the people, open their hearts. You are praying for the soul before you even meet the souls. You are constantly praying for the salvations of the soul. Constantly praying for the salvation of the soul. Asking God to save people. Asking God to save people. Asking God to reach his hand and to touch people. And the day you go out, or the day the church goes out, it just becomes a walking park. Salvation. Then the third one is the empowerment. The Lord of the harvest. That's the Holy Spirit. You cannot do the, you cannot harvest without the Lord of the harvest. You need the empowerment of the Lord of the harvest. That's why in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you cannot start witnessing. Never go out on witnessing simply because you feel I know three verses. No. Is the Lord of the harvest with you? Is the Lord of the harvest moving with you? He's the one who moved the quails in the wilderness, brought the quails to Moses and the Israelites. They didn't ask for the, they didn't go and hand the quails. The quails came, pushed by the wind. He's the Lord of the harvest. He's the one who will give you souls. If you become good friends with him, good friends with him, the Lord of the harvest, meaning he owns the harvest field. And he can decide, okay, I'm giving you this piece, I'm giving this piece, I'm giving you this piece. So these are the three things that will cause your soul-winning efforts to really become powerful. Compassion, intercession, and empowerment. If you work with these things, your ministry will be transformed forever. Amen? This morning, I want to pray for all the soul-winners, all the men and the women that are getting ready to get on the field. 
Because what I've shared with you this morning is how you can preach salvation. How you too can preach salvation. It's a simple thing to do. But it's powerful. So this morning, Lord, I raise my hand and I pray for all the soul winners. Spread across ABC Network and beyond. I ask, Father, let the spirit of compassion, let the spirit of compassion enter us. Give us compassion for the lost. Give us a vision of the harvest. Give us a desire to reach out to more people. Lord, that we should not be satisfied with the little we have. But I open our hearts for the harvest. Open our hearts for the harvest. For the dying that are out there. For the lost that are out there. The lost and dying souls. Father, give us compassion. Give us compassion for them. Give us a change of heart. So that we will desire to see them saved. That we will desire to see them reached by the gospel. Oh God, that we will not be so confident and so sufficient in ourselves. But that we will also reach to them. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, and I pray that we will be people of prayer. People of prayer. People that pray for souls. People that pray for souls. Not just for food, but for souls. For souls. For souls. That we pray for souls, Lord. Oh, Jesus. That we are people of the Spirit. People who are led by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says the Spirit told uh, 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 Philip to get close to the chariot. Oh, Father, may the Holy Ghost be our guide in discovering where the souls are. Leading us to those that are ready for the harvest. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for every soul-winning effort from now till the end of the year. Wherever we go, Lord, in every community where we are going, Father, give us good success. Open the hearts of men to the message. And Father, we pray specially for the family and friends service coming up on the 29th. Jesus, we want to see our brothers and our sisters saved. Let there be pure salvation. Pure salvation. On the 29th of October, touch them, Lord. Change their hearts. Transform their souls. In the name of Jesus Christ, we commit them to you, Lord. We commit their hearts to you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That our uncles, our aunts, our friends, our neighbors will receive Jesus on the 29th of October. Help us, Jesus. Oh, Lord of the harvest, descend in our midst and save. The Bible says, the Lord is in your midst. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Father, your presence brings salvation. You descended on the door of Pentecost, 3,000 God saved. Father, if you are present in our churches, let there be salvations. If you are present in ourselves, let there be salvations. If you are present in our homes, let there be salvations. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you praise. Thank you for this good work that I've started doing for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before I go this morning, I would like to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you are not born again, going to ask you to raise your right hand at the count of three and repeat the prayer with me, the prayer of salvation. Your life will never remain the same. At the count of three, if you are, if you want me to pray born again, you can just raise your right hand. One, two, three. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Please pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. Please forgive me my sins. Wash me with your blood. I believe you died for me. On the third day you rose again. That I might be justified. Right now, I believe my sins are forgiven. 
I'm justified by your blood. I'm saved. I'm restored. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I am free from the power of sin to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. Remember to subscribe to receive our latest service notifications and to share the link. You can also watch our pastor, Pastor Pascal, live on our Facebook page, Alive Bible Church HQ, or on our YouTube channel, Alive Bible Church SA. Remember, you are alive to give life. Thank you.